This is John the Baptist speaking. He says, I baptize you with water for repentance. But one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I'm not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord, we, we bless you and thank you for the gift this morning of the church, for baptism. Above all things, for Jesus, Lord, for your life. And now this story in front of us, we, we pray, we ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would inspire it in a new way, even in fresh ways for us, that we could see you, Jesus, in a way maybe that we have not before, that we would hear from you. I pray, Lord, that just as baptism is an invitation into something new, that you would put that same invitation, Lord, in front of every single one of us, no matter where we are or to what degree we know you. Help us see you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Brad mentioned uh, it is the season of Epiphany, uh, which means that we have officially moved out of Christmas into a new season now that will stretch all the way to, to Lent. And um, epiphany in, in everyday speech, of course, um, means that you have kind of like an aha moment, you know. And epiphany, even the word in Greek from which we take the name for the season, means manifestation or revelation. Uh, and you know what it's like to have, if you were to say, I've had an epiphany, you know. Uh, typically what we mean is, um, and if I say it, it's often, you know, not that extreme. It's just like, ah, aha, I got it, like a light bulb moment. Something um, went off for you. They may be more uh, profound. They rarely are for me. <laughs> um, I, it's not necessarily, um, sometimes they're big. Sometimes they're very small. And, um, epiphany, though, isn't exactly like you've heard something new, a new fact, or uh, something you didn't know ever before. Epiphany is more like if you've been looking at something for a really long time, so long, in fact, that it's become familiar to you, maybe overly so, to the point where you, um, you, know, you see it the same way you've always seen it, and that's just the way it's always been, and so that's what it is. Um, we do this to each other, of course. You look at something the same way, and you decide you know it, and that's how it is, and, and that's the way it is. And then suddenly, sometimes, and for different reasons, or no reason at all, it's like the light shifts and you see the thing you've been looking at for a long time in a totally different way, kind of like it's unveiled or scales fall from your eyes or whatever metaphor you want to use, just something happens and you're like, oh, that's new, that's different. I remember my mom's here this uh, morning, I remember being 19 years old and having this kind of epiphany about my mom that she was a person. (laughs) 
you know? <laughs> like, oh, you have a life, a whole life outside of me and before I got here. Um, if you're the parent of a teenager, just hang in there, you know, <laughs> just a few more years. But that's how it works. We, we do this to each other. And, and it's not bad even. It's just human nature. We have a tendency to sometimes um, distort or lose perspective or just not be able ever to take all of something in because we're limited. And that's, again, not even bad. That's just the way that it is. But not only do we do this with each other and with things in the world, uh, Epiphany is meant to be a reminder that we do this to God, especially those of us who've been with God for a very long time and or those of us who are very skeptical or tend towards being very skeptical. We have a tendency to assume certain things or see God a certain way. And Epiphany is a reminder that if you're open and if you're willing, if you would like make yourself vulnerable enough to want to learn something new, that there is in fact more to be seen about who God is, about the people around you, about yourself than you currently know to date. And as someone who has been doing this Christian thing for a fairly long time now, that's exciting to me every single year. That still, there are things for me to, to learn, to see differently, to unlearn, to see in new ways. And I will say this, that can only be true because we serve a God who wants to show more of himself to us. So Epiphany is not so much really about you and, and what you're going to see differently or could see or revelations that you might have. That's, that's true and part of it. But that can only be true and is only the case because God desires firstly to make himself known, to show you things. And that this is really fundamentally true. It's a really critically important part of our life with God, that we believe that we are people who can, in fact, learn and see new things from God as he desires because he wants us to. Uh, this epiphany, these kinds of revelations, they don't just happen once. Coming to faith for the first time is a kind of epiphany where you decide to get into the thing in the first place, but your whole life with God is going to be marked by tinier, mini, M-I-N-I, epiphanies, revelations of who God is for great revelations to smaller ones, or at least that is the hope, the prayer. And if you're sitting there thinking, well, that hasn't been true of me, actually, I wouldn't say that I am a person who is seeing new things from God, learning new things about myself or about who he is, then there is a very explicit invitation for you, I believe, in this story and in this season. God would have you to be that person. He wants, in fact, for you to know who he is and to know the world around you differently, yourself differently. If you're someone here who has never experienced that, you feel very skeptical and suspicious, then I just have good news for you. The reality is God has, I believe, called you into this place because he wants you to see him in a way you have not before. And that if you would be bold enough and courageous enough to like open yourself up to admit that you would like to know and see God, that he will show himself to you. That's who he is. Uh, John the Baptist had a moment like this with Jesus. And if John the Baptist is going to have one, you know, safe to say that you and I might also need to know new things about Jesus. Uh, John the Baptist was, of course, the cousin of Jesus. And um, when this story happens in Matthew's gospel, we don't know when the last time they had seen one another face to face or if they had seen one another face to face. But they were very close. Their story is integral to one another, inextricably linked. 
John had spent his whole life preparing for the coming of Jesus in uh, really extreme ways. He um, had lived his life as a result on the outskirts of town, which is a kind of tame way of saying John grew up in the desert wilderness, uh, literally marked and set apart as a, as a prophet. You know, he's crazy looking, crazy hair, and he wore crazy things, and he ate crazy things. His whole life bound up in this, the coming of Jesus. And I suspect that that time for John, he, like, he of course knew and heard from God. He was listening, praying, talking to God every single day. He knew the Lord. I suspect he also knew him in a rather, again, intense kind of way. In a, you know, God is justice and righteousness and he's coming again to clean house kind of way. And that's exactly what John expected of Jesus. That that's who the Messiah would be. Which is why uh, when John is talking about who Jesus is and describes him, he describes him in the way that we read in verse 12. He says, He will baptize you when he comes with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. This is, this is the coming of the Messiah for John. This is the revelation that he had from God about who the Messiah would be, who Jesus would be. And so that's what he had in his heart. That's what he knew. And that's what he he gave voice to. And that was, of course, all those things very, very true. What's really interesting to me, though, is that immediately after this verse, in verse 13, the very next verse, describes the coming of Jesus and describes it very differently because Matthew says very simply, and then Jesus came from Galilee to be baptized by John at the Jordan. With his winnowing fork in his hand and balls of fire and... uh, No. Riding on the clouds of heaven. No. He just showed up at the Jordan. And, you know, you kind of have to imagine it. Put yourself in that, in John's place. He was, there he was standing, baptizing people presumably, and he looks up, and there's Jesus. No pomp, no circumstance, no trumpets. There's Jesus just standing in line with everybody else. And at some point, Jesus decides, um, remarkably, to just start walking towards John and walks into the water and right up to John and says, John, you need to baptize me. And it's impossible to put ourselves in that place or imagine what that might be like. It's intimidating business to baptize your babies. But if I had to take the God of the universe in my hands and put water on his face, it would, that's intimidating prospect. Which is why John has the reaction that he has. I mean, he refuses. He's confused. And he he says no, basically. How could I? It should be the other way around. You get back up there and say things, you know. Down with our enemies. God has come kind of things. I'm going to, how do I baptize you? And Jesus, of course, insists, and so John doesn't have a choice. He had to just open his hands and take the God of Sinai, the judge of the earth, God of the prophets, this one that he'd been hearing from all of his life, take him in his arms and put him down into the water. And I don't know what that was like, but there is no way that when Jesus came up out of that water that John the Baptist was ever the same. Because when Jesus came up out of the water, was he glowing with the fires of heaven? 
floating. No, he just looked wet. He just looked wet like every other common sinning Galilean that John had ever baptized. Jesus just like, looked like all the rest of them. And I believe that John had an epiphany. I have an epiphany when I sit with that story. Because in that moment, God was revealing himself to John, not as judge of the earth, God of the prophets, but as Emmanuel, God with us. And making to John known his desire to be with us and for us and go in front of us. And I don't know how much of all of that John was able to take in in that moment. But of course, by virtue of having the story, we all now know that this was in, you know, Jesus wasn't an idiot. And he wasn't just doing something, you know, kind of nice for John. It was very purposeful. It was intentional. In this symbolic act, what Jesus was in fact saying to John and all of us by extension is that this is not a different God or God of Israel 2.0, you know, like the nicer, kinder guy who's going to, the New Testament, that's not what he was doing. In fact, the opposite is true. Jesus was saying to John in the same way that God led Israel through the Red Sea onto the other side to Sinai to become a new people. And in the same way that God led Israel again to the banks of the Jordan River and then onto the other side into the promised land, that that same God, this same God of Sinai, judge of the earth, God of the prophets, is now standing in the Jordan with John the Baptist saying, I'm going first. Again, in the same way I've always gone first. I'm going to go first and I'm going to lead you into new life and resurrection, and on to the other side. I always go first, John. That's the God of Sinai, the judge of the earth. And so this John, who had always known the burning heart of God, now meets that same God in a new way. And if that is possible for John, it is possible for you. That's the whole point of the story. There are aspects of God's heart that you have not yet seen and do not yet know that he wants you to know and wants you to see. The next time, by the way, that John the Baptist has to introduce Jesus to a group of people, it sounds very different, which is, I believe, to my point. The next time that John introduces Jesus, he says to a crowd of people, Jesus comes up over the hill and he points his arm and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He is as meek and mild as he is fierce and powerful. I don't know which side of God's heart you have come to know. There are many sides, not just two. But there is more to be known, more of him to see. That's what this has to do, I think, to all of us. That's the invitation. And I know that we need this because I assume for you it's true as is true of me. I get things in my head, (laughs) That are, you know, I just decide. Or I feel something so strongly and so I can't think on the other side of it. Even if I know, you know, I'm not a worthless, miserable person. But you feel that way, you know. I'm not an utter and total failure. I know it here but can't feel it here. If I get into places like that in my life and it feels so true. And I may know with my head that God isn't totally and utterly disappointed with my life. But it feels true, you know. And so then you go and you sit down. You choose to make yourself vulnerable literally in the same way that John had to open his hands. 
before he could baptize Jesus. I have to sit down and open my hands, sometimes literally in prayer. Sometimes it's coming to church. Sometimes asking somebody to pray for me. Whatever it is, I have to make myself vulnerable and almost without fail. If I will do that and say, Lord, this is how I feel. This is what seems true. Will you show me what is true? When Jesus comes and the light shifts, it changes things. You gain a different and a new perspective. And suddenly, I don't feel as miserable about myself as I did a few minutes ago. And I'm reminded that God is kinder than the world would tell me that he is or have me to believe he is or even that I am prone to thinking that he is. And I will also tell you it is true that there are times when I am tempted, not tempted, I do, take for granted the closeness of Jesus, the kindness of Jesus. I become too familiar with him, too casual. Fall asleep praying one too many times, you know. It's fine to fall asleep when you pray, but if you're always falling asleep when you pray, (laughs) you know, some point you're going to hear from Jesus. And when he comes, he's, you know, he's, he's going to use his lion voice. And he, in his grace and his mercy, will remind me that he is the Lord over my life, not just in my life. He is the Lord over it. And so maybe it's time to get on your knees and pray if you can't stay awake. Maybe it's, it's time to remind him that you know that he is Lord. And God, then you are not. Either way, whatever it looks like for you to know him differently and anew, if you want to, you need to know that Jesus said, I'm sending you a comforter. I'm sending you the Holy Spirit, and he will lead you and guide you into truth. He will make known to you not what he says, what he hears from God. That's my gift to you, Jesus said that you might do greater things. It's not just for some people, that's for all people. That is the gift of our faith. And so in this season, I pray that you would take up that invitation from the Lord, that you would say, okay, well then I want an epiphany. I want revelations from God. And if you are not a believing person, if you would not count yourself a Christian, the invitation is for you, just as the same. You could say, it's why we do Alpha. You could say, all right, well then if God wants to make himself known, well then I'm going to show up. I'm going to make myself vulnerable enough to come and sit in a group of people and admit my doubts and my questions or not say anything at all, but I'm just going to sit there. I can do that. That's why we do this. is because we, we believe that actually more people than are willing to admit really want to have conversations about what they're thinking and feeling about God and that God's not similarly, wants to make himself known. So whatever the invitation towards vulnerability for you to see Jesus in new ways, I pray you would ask the question and be willing to do something about it. Amen. Let's stand together before I... Thanks so much for listening to the sermon today. My name is Chris McDaniel. I am the pastor here on the west side at Trinity in Atlanta. At Trinity, our mission is to be a people who are growing into Christ-likeness. And if you want to find out more information about Trinity or get connected to the life of the church, please visit us at atltrinity.org. Thanks. God bless.